and the timer's running. Welcome to Forging Worlds, everybody. Uh, I'm Matt. And I'm Alan. And today we are jumping back in uh, pretty much straight away. Last thing we were talking about were the Children of the Stone. And we were talking about a gathering at the summer and winter solstice. Yes, uh, this is this would be the one time when all of the bands, however many there are, and remember, about 100 to 150 people per band. Uh, each band has the three mothers uh, aligned in the pattern of crone, matron, maid. Uh, you know the traditional, the traditional alignment. Try uh, as well as at least one husband of the stone and at least one wife of the stone. Um. So, what kind of happens at this uh, at this gathering? So, I imagine this is the time when the uh, true mother will the true mother and apparently like her top level people in the religious caste will go out and will select the new children or the new adolescents who are ready to take the vows and or the solstice is every six months. This is when births happen. Oh. This is when births and pregnancies happen. So it is the children gather. They they make the pilgrimage to the stone. And the new children are birthed. And new pregnancies are started. They go back out into the world. Six months later, they come back in. And it is a cel- it is called the celebration of life. That's absolutely what it is. Um, I also think that that's part of why they have a husband and wife of the stone. Mm-hmm. one of each at least traveling with every band because human biology doesn't always work out the way we want it to. Exactly. So a lot of people probably miss the gathering or not a lot of people, but a non, a non zero significant number of them miss the gathering. So it's helpful to have trained people on hand. Um, but well, I think at- that also means, and I think this is kind of cool that the husbands and wives of the stones are also trained essentially midwives they attend to the pregnant women as they are going through their pregnancy oh they're absolutely like it's it's they're the religious cast they're also the doctors mm-hmm. Ooh, and I yes think, i think i think honestly they're probably much more akin to like doctors who have just like clergy painted over top of them i like that uh, at the celebration of life is probably also when um, the adolescents probably probably I want to pu- I want to put this this age curve a little bit higher than you would traditionally have it. But I feel mm-hmm. like around around 16, 16 to 17, the adolescents are able to those who want to and who have like probably all of the children get taught probably by the husband and wife will also do some teaching. The mothers will do some teaching. Um Whoever of those adolescents, when they hit 16 or 17, at the next gathering, at the next celebration, they're able then to go and have the ritual done. I also like, let's take that a step further. So let's say that throughout their childhood, um, starting at like six or seven, okay. they are there are um, mandatory training periods in pretty much every session or every section of the tribe's life. So if it is a girl, they are, they go with the warriors, they go with the scouts, they go with the mothers, they go with the wife. 
boys they go with the the priests they go with the homemakers that you know they they basically for a certain amount of time are required to train in every aspect and at 16 when they turn 16 their next celebration their next life celebration they must declare their job oh so they get inducted to whichever to whichever cast again but that's the best word for it really. it is except this is a self-assigned cast this is not a you know forced no. cast system this is a voluntary cast system yeah it's just i think i am choosing right to it. do this for the rest of my life because this is what i'm strong at this is what i feel passionate about and it, that's what it's based on is passion this whole entire tribe is based around passion and that you need to be passionate about what you're doing and you need to love what you're doing because if you're not loving what you're doing, why are you doing it? Yes. Um, so then the ones that declare for uh, the stone will stay at the mountain. Uh, the ones that declare for there's, – there's got to be some other roles in there, but we can get to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I kind of like the idea of like the adolescent person – walks into a chamber like surrounded by mothers um surrounded by like husbands of the stone surrounded by the people who trained them and there are pedestals in a circle around them one with a shard of crystal one with a spear one with a book one you know with whatever representative of the different jobs and they go and lift the thing that they are choosing to dedicate themselves to and say, I am now a child of the stone, but I am a child of the spear. I am a child of the crystal. I am a child of the book. You know, that is I think, their I th job. I think it is. Um, it's, it, it would be, it would be, I think five items. Mm -hmm. I, I wish, I wish we could limit it. No, no, it's three. It is three, three items. Um, so it's the stone, which isn't just, a shard of crystal it's a medallion okay it's it's a very unadorned and not not a metal medallion it's probably like a stone, stone. disc it's a stone disc with the shard of crystal set in it mm -hmm. um so like just a disc with a shard of crystal in set in it tied in it um and it's on just a basic thong of leather right a, and but that's that's the symbol for the husbands and wives. As they progress and as they master things, they add to their to their necklace. Ooh, okay, yeah. So over time, the medallion grows. So the true mother, who has probably mastered every discipline they teach, gets like you get a stone for every year or something, or a knot for every year, and then you get like a special stone or a special like tied together thing, almost like the original pendant. Mm -hmm. For every for mastery of every of their subjects, so medicine, uh, midwifery. Uh, God, I love that word. I do um, too. That's a great word. Like weather forecasting, yeah, is weather. probably in their purview. Um, probably like food preparation and handling. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think those are. I think that's in the book. Mm, okay. So the the then the spear is not a spear. I think I think it's a knife. Okay. Um, and it's the knife that they'll carry with them. It's a knife that's designed to be able to like skin an animal can be it's their used utility for... knife, but it, it, it is something that will never leave their side once they pick it up. Yeah. Um, so it's probably pretty, pretty basic and utilitarian as would be 
demonstrative of a warrior scout group. Mm-hmm. Um, and warriors and scouts and hunters are all combined together. That's all one group. Yep. Because they all serve the same. It's the same people that serve multiple roles. Uh, then the book is going to be the um, gatherers, uh, any small scale farming that they do, mm-hmm. animal husbandry, um, and food preparation and primary child rearing. And so the book then is going to have, like, it's going to be a notebook. And it's going to have a few pages that are filled in by their mentors that are like... And the rest is blank. The map of their route, you know, and some specific notes to them. And the rest is blank with just, like, some headings put in there. And maybe, like, on page 200 out of 500, there's a note from their mentor. When they reach that page, they're like... He's been dead for 40 years, but oh my God, I just found this note from him in there. Right. Um, but here's the kicker. When they go in, no matter what, because they will already know what they're going to choose. And their mentors and most of their family is going to know what they're going to choose. Right. And that's just, everyone knows. Very few people surprise anyone. There's one of everything in there because some people do surprise you at some right. points. And hey, for a PC... That's real interesting if they're mm-hmm. one of the ones that didn't go the way they were supposed to. Like if they're supposed to be a child of the book, but they went with the the dagger or the crystal. Because each of those items was prepared by someone in their tribe for them. Mm-hmm. So the book was written by their mentor in those subjects. It was handmade by that person. The knife, the knife was carved by the person who trained them to hunt. Yeah. So the ones that know that they're going to be a hunter, their knife might be a little bit better, might have a nicer hide, but the option is still there because once they choose their object, they get the other two. Ooh. Okay. But the other two aren't maybe as elaborate or as decorative. The book is not going to have anything except a map in it. Mm-hmm. The trade map, you know, um, and maybe some notes in there on how to find directions, how to find where you are on the map based on where the mountain is or things like that. Um, the knife is going to be just like a bare bones thing if they didn't choose to go with the hunters. And the pendant is never going to get bigger. So it's maybe more securely like finished. Mm-hmm. But they get all of them uh, once they choose their object because it's it's the efforts of the tribe make them who they are. And it's also their symbol of adulthood. Yes. Um, God, I love that. That's real fun. Um, what else do we need to talk about, about specifically Children of the Stone or any of these five tribes? Because we're, we kind of built the whole world here. We kind of built the whole continent here. I think this continent is good. I think we're ready to move on to the island. Oh, buddy. Uh, this is going to be a ride because these people, I feel like I already hate the islanders. Like, I don't know that I like them. My feelings on the Islanders isn't necessarily that I hate them. It is that they hate everything else because they are so fiercely proud. I am basing, and this is, again, just kind of uh, being transparent. This island to me is very uh, Atlantean. Uh-huh. Atlantean, but in the way of Namor the Submariner. Okay, so super like we are the better ones. Yep. N- I'm not talking Aquaman. I'm talking Namor the Submariner, where we are the best, you all suck. 
we should rule you all because we're the best. Hey, if you don't read Marvel comics, or even if you do, and you don't familiar with Submariner, and you'd be you'd be forgiven for not knowing who Namor is. He's a dick. He is a dick. He is the king of Abslantis because he has lots of abs, um, and he wears a speedo all the time. Like, like that's his only thing that he wears, and he has wings on his feet for no reason. Um, but he is a he jerk. is the edgiest of Aquaman's, is what he is. He is the edgiest of Sea Edge Lords. Um. Anyway, so yeah, and I love I agree him. With that. He, he is a garbage monster, and I do love him. I don't know why he's considered a hero because he is a monster who has demonstrably done monstrous evil things to people, and people are still just like Namor. But have you seen those abs? Uh, read Sue Storm every interaction <laughs> with her ever. All you have to do is look at the Phoenix Five arc uh, for every reason to hate Namor. Listen, it's bad times. Okay, so when we were drawing up this world, uh-huh. I drew the islands. Yes, you did. If you note in the middle there, there's like a ring shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is either the impact crater or Ooh. detonation crater of whatever did this whole thing to this poor world. Like, that's what makes the seas all stormy. That's like the cause of trouble. That's what sunk that continent. Happened there. I don't know what it is. We're going to have to talk about what it was, but I feel like that's what sunk it. So this is where we're going to start getting into the conversation of, is this like high technology that went low technology, or is this just a world that never had that type of technology? Because we have the, the Oasis folks, but they have books and knowledge, not necessarily technology. And, and it would be easy enough to change, like, the um, the memory waters mm-hmm. over to something alien. Right. Some, some like... That the crystal some... itself could be alien. Yeah. Um, I think... Man, I don't know. You know what? Let's, let's talk about the islands first. Okay. And see where we go. Because um, I don't know that... I don't know that we're ready to make that call yet because I don't, I don't think we know enough about the Islanders. Well, the reason I bring it up is when you say impact versus detonation, you know, is this a, what killed the dinosaur situation or is this the hubris of man? There was a massive explosion that wiped out the majority of the planet and then they had to rebuild and eventually forgot. I don't, you know, I don't, I think I would prefer to not have this be like high tech that fell. I don't think I want to do that on this I'm, go I'm around. I'm of the same opinion. I would, I think it would be interesting if it was the crystal that impacted into the world. Was, was the crystal maybe containing and like isolating the, the gray goo stuff then the, the memory waters maybe or that the crystal came from space, crashed into the world, got into the core. That's how deep down it went. And that's how it kind of spread throughout the planet. If that's the case, then the southern continent is going to need to have some crystals in it. A secret crystal. Ah. Right at the pole, no one maybe? knows about. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I can take that. Okay. Okay. But my my 
I like but that. the gray goo, the gray goo is essentially the earth fighting back against this alien infection. It is not ah. necessarily evil, but it is it is essentially Gaia fighting back against what it sees as an invasion. Can we switch that? Yes. We fl- because we have made those Make- crystals. We've made the crystals too benevolent everywhere in the northern continent. Okay. So the gray goo. So, ooh, what if the core is crystal? The core of this planet is that living crystal. Yeah. So the, the gray goo impacted on the islands. Yep. The, what was the western continent originally. Mm-hmm. It, whatever, it was probably in an asteroid. It hit, sunk sunk the western continent except for these peaks, raised the whole water level, made it... It's Something still happened that has affected like the magnetics, so the storm, like the oceans are constantly stormy, like we established. Maybe that is what... Ooh, maybe that's why it's Quicksilver, is it has different magnetic properties than what existed on this planet beforehand. So the majority of the gray goo is in the ocean. The majority of the gray goo is there, and it's kind of, like you said, found its way up through a spring and into the crystal. But that's what's causing the storms is because the... the seawater doesn't know how to react to this stuff so it just makes it churn and kind of makes the weather go crazy or maybe more specifically because when the rock hit it screwed up the magnetics of the planet like the magnetic pole the magnetic field is screwed Mm -hmm. up Um, so this quicksilver stuff is magnetic inherently but the crazy magnetic field makes it move constantly under the water. Which shifts so the seas, yeah. It's making the turbulence itself. I like that. So basically the entire ocean floor is this quicksilver. Yep, but no one's ever been able to go down there to see it because the waters are so rough you would die. And because of that, like it's keep- the water pressure is keeping it down there mm-hmm. until, uh-oh, it found a way into a cavern, and uh-oh, this... Where this crystal that wasn't ever supposed to be there because the earth basically like created a cyst around this cavern. Uh oh, one of the one of the earth's own crystals broke through and yep. now it's all bad times. Yep. Okay. I can dig that. So then the Western Islands, what was the Western continent, uh the people there know about this because they survived. I just had another thought. Go. Um the other tribes in the north see the crystal kingdom of shadow as blasphemous because they use the crystal in their city. They use the crystal more than any, like all the rest of the tribes see the crystal as something holy and benevolent, but the tribe from the city of shadow started using it for mundane things. I, I think if they ever discovered that, yes. I think I think they're probably a secretive enough people that they no one else really knows about it. Right. It's not advertised. Yeah. Um you know, I think I think like the uh the secret keepers would absolutely believe that. Mm-hmm. And like the Forsaken already know, but they just don't care because they're busy with their own unification goals. Right. The people of the like the children of the peak though would probably be really just like 
but this is a holy thing that literally lets us continue as a people. How dare you? How dare you? And the people of the lake probably don't care because they're like, well, we kind of do the same thing, but we are more symbiotic with it unless we use it more spiritually and religiously and it allows us to live instead of, oh, it just lights your road. Yeah, like like the on on the on the spectrum of this here, then you have like the people of the peak are the most like this is a spiritual holy mm-hmm. thing. Yes, this is the cornerstone of our civilization. This is what lets us be a people because we can do this magic with it. We can do all these things. This is what lets us continue as a people. This is holy. On the far other side is the people of the forest, the shadow people, or the people of the song, who are just like, nah, man. This is just, it just makes our lives better. It's a resource. Yeah, it's a resource that we use. It regrows. Have you not seen it do that? Does yeah. it not do that for you? In the middle is going to be the people, um, the people of the lake who are just like, I mean, look, we can't, this is a spiritual thing, but it also kind of lets us live our life the way we want to live it. Right. So they're, they're the middle and then like way off the spectrum because they don't, care about it they have other concerns is the forgotten who are just like yeah we come from all four of you jerks and y'all are all wrong you're all wrong yeah like they probably more agree with the people of the song of the forest than anyone else because they're like well yeah if we just unified then the people of the peak the children of the peak would have access to several other crystals and could mm-hmm. spread out that way and the people of the lake could share their technology, their utilization of it, and we could all live in the water. And I love the idea that the crystals can be used the same way, no matter where they are. Oh, yeah. So it's just the magic, quote unquote, the science, the whatever, developed differently in each region. So they don't know how to use it any other way. That's, so that's- for the children of the peak, it never occurred to them to use it in any other way, but the way they know how. Yeah. That's probably why the children of the forest, the, the, the forest people are so casual with it because they learned five separate instances of how yep. to use it. And were able to talk to each other and be like, Oh really? Well, we can do this. Oh, you can do that too. Oh, y'all can do that. Well, what else can we make these things do? Yep. And they're the ones that do like experiments with the crystal, which the people of the stone think or the children of the stone think is blasphemous to do any sort of experimentation like i don't i don't know that they would say blasphemous like i don't think they're the type that would be like holy war at all over this but they'd probably just be like why Mm. now the the secret keepers are probably like every time they hear about this they probably twitch because it's like you guys are actively unbalancing this world that we have worked so hard to protect exactly um okay so that's all the northern continent, and we are putting it to the side for yep, now. We're gonna put it over there. So we're gonna talk about the Western Islands that survived the initial impact, which is probably why these people are more familiar with what's going on because they survived that apocalypse mm-hmm. um, at more or less ground zero. So we have several islands. The way I've drawn it, there are there's one really big island. One kind of smaller, three that are smaller than that, but are about the same size, and then a few scattered, tinier islands. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do we want those places to look like? Ruins. 
Okay. Lived so, in ruins. Was this all kind of like just a massive continent-sized city? Yes. That's what I was thinking. It's a giant city-state. That this whole mass of land was a city. And when the impact happened, it broke the city and shattered it. And the people still live in the ruins of the city. Okay. Um, what I'm thinking then, historically, is that this world, however many thousands of years ago or whatever this happened, um, however long ago this happened, this, the world was united under this city-state that lived, mm-hmm. that spread this whole continent. And the northern continent was a farming that's where they farmed. That's where they got all their goods was yep. from that massive continent-sized plain. And no one touched the southern continent because southern It was continent. cold. It's cold. Like, weirdos go there. That's probably like, there was probably like a weird kind of militant, like, pirate group lived over on one side and like a hippie commune lived on the other side. Well, that and maybe the northern continent was used exclusively for like fishing and... Um, you know, we had put some plants in the Northern continent that didn't appear anywhere else. Maybe that is the reason why there was, because there is, we have established that there is a city that was buried underwater that we called it the Bay of Ghosts. And it was like the forest in the 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 city. Yeah. Yeah. So there were people living there before the impact. So I think it would be cool to say, okay, you know, Instead of nobody being there, ooh, maybe it was a prison camp. I think I think one side of it was Valerie or Vori mm-hmm. was the prison. Like, I'm in picturing that almost like uh, colonial Rhode Island, like penal colony, mm-hmm. pirate haven, that kind of deal. Um, I think Lilium was like the Bay of Ghosts. I think probably has like some some barrier islands around it, mm-hmm. kind of. I think the city down there in the Bay of Ghosts was almost like a fantasy medieval attempt at terraforming. Yes. So they Pioneers. were trying they were trying in this like valley that was protected from the rest of the weather to adapt it. So they built a little city uh, or settlement there. They planted those trees mm-hmm. that were a hardier stock by nature that grew taller and everything and could act as like a wind guard and like a could help kind of adjust the climate of the area a little bit. So I think that's what was going on there. And the, the effects spread up onto that peninsula that Lilium is on. So that's why that area is more of the piney forest, like winter forest kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause some of the trees spread there and some of the plant life spread there and the climate kind of adjusted there a little bit. Um, the rest of it. No, I think it's just still barren because it, the world got ended before they could finish the project. Exactly. Yeah. They were looking to expand because suddenly we have too many people and we're not going to ruin the farmland and we have this big old chunk of ice. Maybe we can deal with that. So that's probably where the Bay of Ghosts came from. Um, Okay. So all of these things are going to be ruins of a city. Um, I feel like then that there's a continent sized city. I was going to say maybe they're all different districts, but that wouldn't really work on this scale. I think it would, like suburbs. Well, well, what I meant by districts was like, this is the market district, this is the theater district, because every like suburb oh, would yeah. have one of those. Yeah, that's um, true. What if think, the middle of it all 
is the ruins of the palace. And the palace was easily the size of a normal city. Okay, um, then what I'm going to suggest, just because of the way it's laid out, um, Impact Crater, mm-hmm. you can kind of see as the circle. Right above that is a little dot. You see that? Yep. Uh, that's that's one of the smallest islands. Let's make that the ruins of the capital, of the okay. palace. And that's where our Namor surrogate lives. Yeah, that was the highest point in the city. Like, one of those things that, like, for most of the continent, you could look and see it. Mm-hmm. Not all of it, because this really is a globe. Shut up, flat earthers. Yeah. Um, apologies if any of our listeners are flat earthers, but I'm really sorry. Actually, bro. no, I'm, I'm not sorry. Um, you can believe whatever you want to believe. That's on you. Uh, okay, so that's going to be the, the palace. Honestly, I think what we probably have now then is our leader there, whoever is in charge there, probably only really holds sway over those island clusters around him. And like one of these bigger islands is probably now their penal colony. Probably. I would say that most of the people that survived moved inwards towards the palace. And they created bridges, like systems of bridges that connect the different islands. But maybe the outer islands are just abandoned. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to redraw this a little bit then. Because I like that idea a lot better. Um, I'm going to kind of reshape this a little bit. And basically I'm I'm redrawing some of those three smaller islands as more of the middle island size. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do a bunch of really small islands kind of clustered around where that palace was. So that's where most of the surviving population lives now, kind of on this little fragmentary plateau kind of deal. Maybe they made the bridges out of crystal. Absolutely, they did. Once they realized that that was, they had probably, this probably was like a crystals and toga, crystal yeah. fires and toga kind of place, at least but- around the palace. But whenever it shattered, that's also how they learned that the crystal was alive because it started to regrow and repair itself. Eventually, yes. Eventually. So there are still places in in that area where you see like bridges are mostly broken, but you're watching, yes, you're watching them like slowly years and years and years re-knit themselves. And what I think happens then uh, is that these other two, these other bigger islands, the ones on like the south side of the impact crater, like you said, most of these bigger islands are probably abandoned. Certainly the two on the south side of the impact crater are those two big ones. Right. Um, Those three that are clustered around like the, the shattered islands that I just showed you, they're probably slowly starting to be colonized again. But the ones on the south side of the impact crater what if that's where the Quicksilver got to people and gave us aberrants? Ooh. So those yes. are... Yes, 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 Those are ghost cities now. Yes. Because... And monsters dwell there. Of, they're full of monsters. Yes, so yes, actually, yes, yes. That's probably why the Islanders can't go over all that much of the other continents. They're constantly fighting monsters. They're constantly trying to keep these things bottled up. Yep. And, I and maybe I, some of them escape. Oh, absolutely some of them escape. Some of them are starting to tunnel. Some of mm-hmm. them are learning how to swim. Yeah. Um, 
some of them are developing hides that are thick enough that they can just float on the surface. Yeah. Um, But I feel like part of this is like part of the reason the Islanders are so superior feeling or acting towards others if they ever encounter them is because they're like, you don't get it. We're actively keeping your world safe. Yep. Like they don't let people come to the islands and they don't let people leave the islands because if you do that, you're probably carrying the taint with you. Yep. You're infected. Yeah. What if they're infected? Like each person we were talking about how the, the leaders of the, um, of the, the the forgotten forgotten, uh, start to get that, like, get their irises become silver parts of their body. What if just by living in this area, that's happening to the Islanders, it's created a hive mind, which is how, which is how the King has control is because there's a kind of hive mind there. They, the, the impact and everything, something there triggered in them and changed them so that they were able to maybe with the crystals aid, because they live surrounded by crystals there. Right. They're able to subvert the, the Quicksilver. So instead of maybe silver, it's gold. Yeah. I think for them, it's like something has changed in it. So yeah, gold is a good identifier of it. Um, And they're able to subvert it. They don't know how, and they think if they can, that's the Islanders form of crystal magic is mm-hmm. they can use the crystal to change the quicksilver into gold. Small, isolated batches. Nothing yes. that's directly connected to the main body of it on the bottom of the ocean. Yet. Yet. If they ever found a source that was somehow directly connected to it through a giant cavern, uh-huh. maybe they could work some crazy magic. Plot but hook, again, plot hook, plot hook, plot hook. I mean, look, I think we just actively described an entire um, campaign. Yeah, that's that's what's going on in the world is someone has gone back to the islands and told them like they send scouts out. Mm -hmm. They have people that live on one island that are that they know is clear and they ensure is clear of any infection at all. Even theirs, even their controlled one. And they send them out as scouts to these other continents. Like they probably have like a submarine, like an Ironsides. Yeah. That can survive the the waves. And they'll drop them off just a little offshore or in an isolated area. And they'll go in and like scout out these continents. And someone has finally reported back that the Forgotten have this weird Quicksilver pool that seems to always kind of like ebb and flow with the changing of the light and the tides and everything. Mm-hmm. And man, isn't that weird that it never seems to really, the level never seems to change and it kind of flows out of this area. And someone back in the main palace is going, oh, really? Well, we just happen to have this really big crystal that we want to drop in there and uh, see what we can do about that. Mm-hmm. Man, Alan, we just, we just put a, we just put a thing into place. Yes, we did. Because that kind of sounds like an apocalypse. That would change the world if they did that. Well, it would it would it, it would be a paradise at that point. It would be the you know, the world wouldn't necessarily end in fire, it would be the cleansing of the world. It would still be an apocalypse in that this world as it stands yeah, would end. Would end. Yeah. And that's really scary to tribal based individuals like yep. that that 
What Only what are these monsters? We don't know what you're talking about. There are no monsters here. All it does is, you know, serve us and connect us. And this this stuff is good for us. What do you mean you want to destroy it? Mm-hmm. It would it would actively take them realizing that it has corrupted the crystal in the center. I think mm-hmm. to to convince them. Um, okay, so Western Islands, shattered remains of a continent-wide city. Uh, okay, so definitely, do we want a, a monarchy there as well? I think so. Like? Okay. And um, the monarchy traces back to the original rulers of the city-state. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been it's been that monarchy ever since. What do we want to call the pre pre impact era? P i e pi. I think I think uh, PIA, pre-impact age. Okay. Just for internal reference, yeah. And um, what else? Okay, let's talk about the northern set of islands first. Then we'll leave the two monster islands alone for a minute. Um, so we have like the the core of them that are that that shattered plateau is probably like the center of the city. That was where the wealthiest and the best live. Mm-hmm. Uh, all kind of crystal spires and togas originally, and now something more crystal spires and armor. Mm-hmm. Um, probably crystalline armor. And crystalline weapons. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They and have, maybe they... you have crystalline weapons that they can work that magic through so that when they're fighting monsters... They can heal them not kill them i feel like i feel like it's probably not a heal versus cure maybe it's just like if they kill you with one of these weapons unless it's like one of their (gasps) their cleansers there's zombies burns it out there's zombies so as long as it doesn't matter if the host body is alive or dead they have to kill the quicksilver so if they're not killing them with these crystal weapons that they're using to make the quicksilver gold they'll just keep coming yeah, so the warriors, the warrior group has their weapons are designed to burn out the quicksilver in the bodies. Yes. Then they have like their their mage group, their their magic class are cleansers. Mhm. So there there are um there are fire bearers and there are water bearers. The water bearers cleanse the quicksilver. Or no, not not water bearers, gold bringers. Gold bringers. Okay. So it's the fire bearers that burn it out and the gold bringers that can convert it. But that takes a lot of time to learn and takes a lot of effort to accomplish. So they can't really just go around and change the gold in a body. They just let the fire bringers deal with the bodies and they go find the source pools. Mm -hmm. What if, because we've been playing around with life longevity too, to some Mm -hmm. degree, what if these gold bringers, the cost for changing the material is their life force, their essence? Oh, so they're actively they killing age. themselves? Yeah. They're, they're killing themselves. But it's considered like the that. most noble thing to do. Yes, I like that a lot. Um, I think we're actually going to have three groups. So we're going to have the warriors that I kind of changed to fire wielders because that just feels better yeah um and then the gold bringers but we also need another one that i 
is going to be, I guess, like the ruling case, the ruling, the ruling group. And I don't know what their deal is that sets them apart. Like, I think the, the warriors are just on the ground troops. Their, their entire purpose in life is to protect the gold bringers if they have any with them. And call them kill the whatever. Hive? What? The hive? They're the ones that are connected by the golden infection? Yeah. Oh, hive sounds so weird, though. But that's that's what it is. Or are they the... Um, oh, call them the it? connected. Oh, there's a word. Oh, Bonded? What's the word? Um, the conclave. Conclave. So the warriors, the mages, the... I guess just everyone else. Rulers and civilians mm-hmm. would be the conclave. The conclave. Goldbringers and Conclave. Okay. Um, so, okay. Uh, there is one other group of them that we had kind of mentioned was their scouts that live. Are they the untainted then? The untainted or the far reachers? Yeah. Far reachers, I think. Are far seers? No, that implies something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe they're the... Um, Maybe they're actually considered a distinct people. Maybe they're the pure. The pure. The pure people. And their goal is to... They're, they're who watches the watchman, effectively. Yep. Like, they have they have to have something. Uh, maybe they... It's the checks. It's the checks of balance. Use, maybe their use of the crystal is that they can... They are the only ones who can burn out the gold. Ooh, okay. So if something goes wrong... At the last possible, the last thing that can stand against the gold returning to the silver, they will push the button and everyone connected to the gold dies. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I think, I think there has to be, it has to be like an equal and opposite thing though. So like they can do it, but it will cost all of the pure their life as well. Well, yeah, it's the same with the gold bringers. They kill themselves to do it. Yeah. So they, they live. They live away from the taint of anything, gold or silver. They explore the world and send scouting reports back to the king. And they also act as the check. Mm-hmm. I bet they like the desert people a whole lot. They do. Which is really disconcerting. And in fact, I would say that they are uh, in contact with the desert people more than the king knows. I think, I think probably, but more in like a... Hey, we do the same kind of thing you do. We just do it on this other place. Yep. Like no one which is in why, this island. Which is why the desert folks know about the islanders, whereas no one else on the north or south know about them. I, I feel like they don't even like tell them all that much because the islanders, no one's going to tell someone what they're doing, what they're no, fighting against. No, not at all. Because someone would be like, but we use the silver. Mm-hmm. So we don't like you gold people. Like, it's going to create tension somehow. So they, they probably really do talk a lot to the, to the desert tribe. And, maybe, and they, maybe because they are in the ruins of the city, they can translate a lot of the books and things that the desert people find. So the desert people give them reports on things happening in the northern continent, and they translate texts for the desert people. 
Yes. And it's an exchange. Yeah, That's how they get around talking about, you know, oh, well, what are you doing? It doesn't matter. We're doing you this service. You are doing us a service. That's it. You know what? I think also it happens. Um, I think the guy who went down to uh, Valerie and established that uh, enlightened dictatorship down there. Mm-hmm. He's one of the pure. He's one of the pure. Absolutely. Except he's probably one of like a splinter faction. He was probably one of the higher ups. He was just like, listen, we need another option. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down there and basically get this city of killers and crazy people in line and secretly start training an army. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. You guys are going to start working on getting us crystal armor and weapons. Mm-hmm. I'll teach them how to be firebringer, fire wielders, just in case. I like that a lot. And when y'all inevitably lose this fight, and when y'all have to push the button, I'll know about it because, like, he has severed himself from that pact. Mm-hmm. But he has a crystal. Like, he put that part of his life essence into a crystal mm-hmm. somehow. Uh, in fact, he probably learned that from the people of the stone. Yep. He learned how to transfer part of himself, part of a life essence there. So when that crystal shatters, when that life force gets drained, then he's going to be like, all right, it's time to go. And he'll lead them down to a secret fleet of Ironsides that he's built. And he'll take them all over to the islands and they'll have to do a clean sweep. Yep. And kill everything. It's the, it's, it's the final check. Yeah, it's the last resort, and the king doesn't know about it, most of the peer don't know about it, and the other, maybe he's told Lilium, the monarch like the of Lilium, Lilium, that his whole deal is just like, that's why they have a peace, because he's just like, those two cultures should not exist, coexist, yep. but they do, because he's just like, I have no deal with you, I'm here for a purpose that has nothing to do with you, and he's told her just enough to make them to trust. Con- yeah. Like he's demonstrated that there is something. Maybe, maybe he took her to the crystal. In the Ooh. Southern Continent. Which is in the heart of the, I would love it for this, the, the secret crystal in the Southern Continent to be in a glacier. Oh yeah. That's why no one had found it yet because it looks like just another piece of ice if you're not looking for it. Yep. But this, this dictator, this tyrant, knows what a crystal is and can feel it and can manipulate it. And he's slowly been clearing off part of the top of that to grow more Mm -hmm. to make the armor, to help make the armor and everything. Yep. And maybe, maybe somehow like these crystals probably existed pre impact. Mm -hmm. In fact, they had to have, they had to have, they were the core of the planet. When the impact happened, something happened that sheared this one off from all the others so it is the only one that has no chance of being tainted by any, by the crystal. Oh, okay. But that's probably really like. It also explains why no one in the North would know about uh, the connection to the Southern crystal is because they can't feel it. Yep. And he didn't even know it was there. Like he probably went on an expedition to the Southern continent as one of the pure met up with people at Valerie and was like, well, this place is a nightmare, but. Maybe useful. Met up with people at Lillian was like, you people have no chance of surviving. And got lost on one of those dog, one of those walrus sleds and but, found the crystal. But what about he, get, okay, yes, but, and 
when he got to Lilium and he saw the wildlife and he saw the trees and he saw all of that, he said, this can't be here without a crystal. The only reason that this would happen is if there were there was crystal intervention, basically the planet helping these people. There's something here. And he went looking. Or, I like that. Or, that stuff in Lilium has nothing to do with the crystals. Hmm. So he sees that as, in the worst case scenario, if the pure have to push the button, presumably that... Does something there is a way to live without the crystal. It wipes out every crystal on the planet, except potentially the southern one. But also, he sees in Lilium the chance to rebuild. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, he has to use monstrous tactics to to start doing this whole plan. He's probably like the chess master mm-hmm. more so than anyone else. Like he and the king would probably be best like Magneto Xavier friends mm-hmm. if the king knew he existed. <laughs> right. Oh, I like that a lot. Oh man, you guys, this world just took on some fun. Um, we have about 10 minutes left and what I'd like to do in that 10 minutes, because I think we have now wrapped up a good foundation for this world. I agree. Uh, we have, we have some, we know where these civilizations are. We know, kind of the underlying threat of the world. Um, we'll get into a lot of story hooks later um, in a later episode. What what I think we ought to talk about first and what will segue into our next episode is going to start being um, a little bit of history, more so than we've done, and a little bit of culture, more so than we've done. So mm-hmm. we'll go back and we'll look at each of these civilizations that we've talked about and we'll expand on that culture. Um so let's since we're since we're already kind of focused on the islanders. Let's start let's there. talk. Let's start there a little bit. So, um, oh no, no, scratch that. I'm sorry. We're gonna spend our last ten minutes talking about the two monster islands. Okay. Um, before we get away from that, though, uh, because I need to say this so that I won't obsess over it while <laughs> we are not doing this. Um, The Islanders are the ones that cling to the post-impact culture as closely as possible, even to the point where it makes no sense. Oh, yeah. So they cling to very outdated, like, even their clothing styles. Like, obviously, now they live on islands, but they still wear, like, thick, heavy clothes that are very rich and fancy because that's what they used to do. And it was a symbol of power, even though it makes no freaking sense anymore. Yes. Yeah, like they're they're the ones that have like the ornate robes and headpieces and everything. Yep. Okay, and, so and let's I think go I ahead. think there's probably also an element of body modification there too. Absolutely. Where some of them have inset crystals under their skin that glow and mm-hmm. like if someone lost an eye in an accident, they had like a crystal eye replaced and they have like crystal piercings and Mhm. Like, this is going to be the most potentially cyberpunk out of all of these people. Yes, absolutely. Crystal punk. Crystal punk. So That's let's not talk a about... thing. We're not making that a thing. TM, 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 TM. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, let's talk about those monster islands. So we have two of them. One real big, one less big. I am immediately going to the corrupted gems from Steven Universe. 
Tell me more. I'm not that far in Steven Universe. These monstrous things that are just like limbs and, you know, not even full bodies, but you may have like arms and legs fused together into this crazy spider creature. Um, just it's a lot of almost body horror of of limbs and pieces that shouldn't be together but are that the quicksilver is kind of fusing together to mishmash into these terrifying monstrosities and it used the parts and pieces of people okay i like that so the quicksilver is creating the aberrance because it doesn't have a form itself so it doesn't yes. just follow a form okay i like that a lot now in a continent-wide city, you're going to have mostly humans and probably some domesticated things. Mm-hmm. Um, so some dogs and cats. Yep. And then Birds. probably a few horses. Not horses. Horses, yeah. Maybe some horses? Horses, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay, and some birds. So I, I want to say, like, we have the two islands, one much bigger than the other. I think there are probably some scattered tribes of humans there. Like mm-hmm. may, maybe this is what the, the, uh, the Islanders do with anyone that's just like super out of line in their society. Is they, they banish just, them. They just toss them into one of these. So there are like penal colony camps uh, that kind of have like carved out a niche for themselves in part of these islands. But by and large, one of them I think is more monstrous than the other. I agree. I think one of them... So I think there are several forms of banishment. I think there is um, just kind of being imprisoned in society. Then there is a penal colony. And then there is exilement. And exilement is we throw your ass on Monster Island and you're gone. You we, we leave you with a knife and the clothes on your back. And you go. If you live, great. If you die, cool. We don't care. You're over there now. You know what? You know what I think it is? Is the big one, the bigger island, the one that's the furthest to the west, is the penal colony. Mm-hmm. The one to the east is a training camp. Mm. It's where they train the fire bringers and the gold, the fire wielders and the gold bringers. Okay. Like they've secured a beachhead on like the north end of that island that is completely clear. And they let the southern part of that island stay monstrous to the point that they probably have some method of bringing more monsters in yep or some way of yeah uh, to to continue allowing those monsters to grow and reproduce and so maybe instead of a death sentence there is a sentence to silver you are sentenced to silver that's that is probably the worst the worst criminals get taken to the Eastern to the training Island get carried out. Like a whole cartload of them are bound, gagged the works, probably knocked unconscious, carted out to a known pool and dumped in. Yep. Along with like some, anything they've brought over from the Northern continent, like any animals or anything, they're actively making the silver worse so they can, so they can become better. Oh, that is, that's great. Okay, so East Monster Island is basically the Islander Army training ground. Mm -hmm. And the West Island is just 
Monster Land and Penal Colony. Yep. Oh, Alan, we have made a really fun world here, I feel like. I think so, too. Worst criminals. Ooh. And I like, I like the feel of that to be sentenced to silver because it doesn't sound particularly menacing, yeah. but it's abjectly terrifying when you think about it because I mean, it's basically it's, their entire sentence is being erased and absorbed into this and they're being turned into a monster. It's, it's body horror as capital punishment, which is yep pretty terrifying. That would be, that would be the equivalent of being like, Oh, you're a murderer. Well, we're sacrificing you to Cthulhu now. Yep. Huh. Okay. Uh, what else do we need to know about the Islanders? Let's see. We've already established that they're fil- the, that they are fiercely proud. We have already established that they hold tight to old culture. Um, maybe even a, a very strict sense of loyalty. Um, to their kingdom, to their country, you know, we have survived so much. We owe our lives to our monarch who, you know, rose. And maybe, ooh, maybe that's the secret of the king is that his original line was actually a peasant line. And, but he was the one that, like maybe just remarkably looked like the king at the time. But he rose up when the king died and said, no, I am the king and you will follow me and brought the country together. And maybe the, the first king of the line did that thing. I was like, no, I'm the bastard son of the king that died in the end. Accident. Exactly. That's how he that's how he claimed power and then just held it because he was very good at his job. Yeah, he was very good at his job. He earned it. Um, uh, our, our dictator from the pier mm-hmm. is actually is from of the, the same descendant. line. Mm-hmm. It's from the same line. Like he had two sons. He said, you're one of them is going to stay here. Be my heir. Gotcha. You're going to go over there and act as the check. Yep. I like that. So our, our dictator is the brother of the leader of the pure. That's okay. how he's able to do this. I like it. Whew. Webs. Okay. Um, what else? Do we need to know anything else about the island people or their interactions? The, the, the pure go to great lengths to hide the fact that they've been on the northern or southern continents. So the pure are actually extremely well-versed in the cultures of all of the different civilizations on the northern and southern continents. So, like, if you were ever to go into, like, one of the pure's places, um, they would have costumes. They would have wardrobes. And that's it. Okay, finish that thought, though, and we'll wrap it up. They would have costumes and wardrobes for all the different cultures so that they could blend in seamlessly. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, Next episode, we're going to start in on some of the history and cultures and uh, start looking to prepare story hooks. You can find Alan at Alan underscore cells on Twitter. You can find Matt at Matt Hoadley on Twitter. You can reach the show at forging underscore worlds or by emailing us, forgingworlds at fifthdraw.com. This show and the rest of the Fifth Draw family of shows can be found at fifthdraw.com. Forging Worlds is presented under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org. 